I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. You know, my interactions with people like you, but like so many people that I meet on a regular basis, tells me that there is a, a real need for a different way of looking at the world and looking at how our lives matter. And and so much of that is about us deciding where we're going to give our time and our money rather than simply someone asking for it or forcing us to comply. So if you're in a position, if you, your listeners are in a position where they feel a sense of kind of anxiety or a sense that um, things are just not the way they should be in their life, in their business, in their community, then I think the Circle of Impact, the book, will be helpful in providing some clarity about why things are the way they are and how to take steps forward to address them on a personal level. How you day. Those are the sounds of Ed Brenniger. And as you heard, his new book is called Circle of Impact. And this was a particularly interesting episode because we dove into three concepts that he believes are central to leadership today. Idea, relationship, and structure. We talked about how to be a more solutions-oriented world. And I think many of you or any of you rather would find this valuable because as he says we are in a world of transition and how do we get to a place where we are providing value hope you enjoy the episode hope you get the book until next time enjoy the episode welcome everybody to another episode of as told by nomads and today i'm super excited to be talking about the circle of impact, how to really approach leadership in a new model and understand how to communicate effectively. You know, uh, my guest today is uh, Ed Brenniger, and he believes that the world is currently in transition. And he wants people everywhere to understand how to face the new challenges and new opportunities in both the personal and professional life. We'll be learning a lot about him as well as how to tackle these life's problems that come with us. Um, he's got real-life case studies and practical advice. So I'm really excited because his book is also coming out this week, the week of this podcast launch. So make sure you get that book. But before we get into the book and him, let me just give you a warm welcome, sir. Welcome. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's very exciting, and um, I enjoy your uh, your podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you. And um, it's very exciting for you as well. You know, this is your first book, your first book. Comes out, My first book. Yeah. That must be uh, exciting to just be able to 
finally have everything you've worked on be released in the world? It, it really is. Um, and it's just, it's just an example of the types of things that all of us can do. You know, mm -hmm. we all don't have to go write a book, but we all can do something where we, we, we set our mind to it. it. It's a function of the desires that we have, and we take the initiative, and we work it out, and we work it until it reaches its conclusion. And all of us can do that. You know, it's just about setting our minds to it and, and being consistent in our efforts to pull it off. So it's, it's just, you know, and, and that's it. It's just a book. Yeah. But in another sense, it's my book, and my book really means something to me, and I hope it will mean something to thousands of people who will read it. Well, I, I agree. I, I'm sure it will be because, you know, um, the topic of making an impact and leadership is something that's very hot right now, but it's also necessary. But let's let's get to know the man behind the book. You know, who, okay. is, who, who is Ed Brenniger? Who was Ed Brenniger when he was a kid? And how did you get started in this field where you are drawing on over 30 years of experience? Wow. Uh how many hours do we have on your podcast? We we have all the time you want. This is this is I know. this is. I'm joking with you. <laughs> I, I grew up in uh, Winston Salem, North Carolina. Uh, average family. Um, I grew up in a really different time than what we have now. I grew up in the the time of the segregated South, and I went to all white schools all the way through my scholastic education. And that gave me a different perspective on things. And, um, you know, and one of the, one of the perspectives was that, um, and this really is not central to the book or to what I do now, but it's central to who I, who I was as a child was that my interactions with uh, African Americans as a, as I grew up, the, what little I had were always uniformly positive and influential in, in my life and which means that I, I had kind of a different life than a lot of uh, white guys had growing up in the South because of the people that I got to meet. And, and if I could take just that idea and it kind of expand it, that's the way my whole life has been. I have just had the privilege of being thrown into different relationships, different social contexts, different organizational contexts, where I've met some really amazing people who have had a tremendous impact on me. Uh, and it's not that they were kind of heroes or stars or people who were, who rose to the top of whatever organization or community or whatever it was. It was just that the character of these people made a difference in a very tangible way, but also in kind of small ways that touched people's lives. And I'm the product of those people. And in, in that sense, the book that I wrote, Circle of Impact, Taking Personal Initiative to Ignite Change, is really a, a book to honor those people who have touched my life. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I, love, I love it. And, and that, that's interesting. Um, when you talk about you've been put in positions where you were interacting with people who were different from you, and that gave you a different perspective of the world. I, I do find that that's, you know, when I look at the world today, especially uh, you know, me as a Nigerian who, who has lived in different countries, I mm -hmm. understand both the complexity and the benefit um, of, of what that could be like. But I want to just understand even more what that was like when you came across someone that looked different from you, when 
and the thoughts that came to your mind, especially as you contextualize those thoughts with what was going on in society um, around you? Uh, let me give you two stories. Uh, the first takes place in high school. Uh, going to an all-white high school, my senior year in high school, uh, we had a new head football coach came to come in, and he was an African-American, had played um, professional football in Canada, and he was a man of um, real dignity and honor, and working in a, you know, in a, in a segregated community as an African-American coach of an all-white school was uh, placed him in a position where he could be easily um, put into very compromising situations and destroy not just the football team, but the whole how the school went on because of the presence of racism in in society at that time. But he didn't. He he acted in a way that all of us guys who are on the football team chose to want to be like. We wanted to be like him because of the way he handled pressure and the way he handled stress and the way he handled um, when we were defeated on the football field, the way he handled that. And so we were um, touched by his life. Uh, his name was Baxter Holman. And was a, he, was a, he was one of the great men of my life. And it taught me um, one of the principles of a living with dignity and living with honor and integrity. And so that's where I, I really learned that for the first time. The second was that I uh, went to university at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And it was obviously this is the early 70s and it was a, a very integrated community. And I, I saw uh, civil rights demonstrations and marches and uh, people, um, activists. And I was thrown in with, um, people my age who are African-American and it, and it, it, it wasn't something I felt um, intimidated by. I was just curious about, about it. And that really is who I am. I'm a very curious person. So I ended up taking a couple of courses in African-American literature that was really helpful to me in seeing kind of a, gaining a kind of a, a bedrock or foundational understanding of what the African-American experience has been. And so I've, you know, throughout my life, I've sought, uh, not just African-Americans, but people who seem to be on the fringe, people who seem to be marginalized as not people that I am t intending to serve in some kind of paternalistic way, but rather people that I want to become friends with because I know that there's something that they can teach me that will be beneficial not just to me, but uh, something I can pass on to other people. And that's that's been true um, all my life up until you know, this very day. And and it's um, it's I guess it, I would say that it's one of the gifts that God has given to me is to have that kind of experience where it it, it definitely changed my life and gave me a, a sense of uh, in a sense of detachment from a lot of the conflicts that we find um, in the world because I can look into it and see it for um, it kind of in a larger context and and the consulting work that I've done over the last twenty almost twenty five years yeah. Uh, has really been a product of that ability to see the thing, to see people in situations and organizations in a in a kind of a holistic and an objective way, and to see the problems that are there and to be able to address those problems in a in rather simple, practical ways of um, 
looking at, well, how can we be better? How can we make a difference? Things of that sort. That's so interesting because it sounds to me like a lot of your childhood experiences as well as um, experiences throughout life have informed and shaped your worldview. And the way you interpret information is through, okay, this is how it is. This is the way I've been exposed to it. Let me figure out what's the cause of this. And you have this very uh, introspective as well as uh, curious mind, which uh, makes sense for for your career. But it's interesting the way you take in that information because sometimes people react the opposite way, where you know they're reactive as opposed, you know, as opposed to be um, you know inquisitive, uh, which is what you are. Um, so I just find that fascinating. Yeah. Well, it's. Um, I think a part of it is that I. Um, do not feel responsible to run someone else's life, that they are responsible for that. But that doesn't mean that I don't support them, but it means that I can um, stand beside them and, and, so, and say, be their champion or be their cheerleader or be their support person as they seek to do whatever it is that they decide that they want to do with their life. And uh, I was having this conversation with my younger son just the other day about how um, he felt so much freedom to choose his own path uh, and that I never imposed anything on him. And I think that's a lot of what goes into the kind of leadership that I talk about in the book is that we really are needing to be in situations where other people's opinion of us really should not uh, be the determining factor in how we view our lives, but we should really decide this is who I am and this is what I want to achieve. This is the impact that I want to have. And we need to find uh, organizational situations which allow for that freedom to make that choice so that uh, we can do things that really do make a difference right. and have an impact. That's all. No, I agree. And you, your thing is taking personal initiative to ignite change. But Yes. Before we get into that because, and, and the book, can you tell the audience uh, briefly what, what you do so people can know how to hire you and then we'll use that context to just launch into this amazing book that you have and what you've observed with leadership and our current state of the world? Yes. I've been a, a leadership person since the early, uh, since the mid 80s when I, when I got kind of uh, caught, caught the idea that this is what my life is about. And in the mid-90s, I started a leadership consulting practice, which was really oriented around working with leaders in their organizations to solve problems, to innovate, so that they could strengthen their organizations for the betterment of their communities. So I saw that uh, helping leaders make better organizations strengthened and made better communities, and that where you have communities that are failing – a lot of that is because the organizations, whether they're for-profit or non-profit or local government, that those organizations are failing to provide the kind of leadership that they need to have. So I've been a consultant um, for most of the last 25 years or so. But a couple of years ago, I decided I needed to make a change and move in a different direction. And so I, I decided I was going to write. So I've written a book. And I'm going to speak. I'm going to, I'll speak to whoever hires me to come speak and we'll talk about uh, personal leadership and personal initiative and creating impact and how you can restructure organizations and restructure communities to encourage people 
at the, from the lowest echelon of a hierarchy to the very top to take personal initiative, solve problems, and communicate better and innovate. So I, I write and I speak uh, and I consult and I coach. Mm. And those are all kind of organizational labels. But what I really do is I engage people with the life situation or the work situation that they are in. And I have, uh, I have a program that I call Impact Day, and it can be a whole day or it can be a couple hours. And it's, it's, it varies according to the person because it gets customized to the person. But it's a methodology for helping people who are in transition figure out why, why things are changing and where are they going and how do we figure out a better way to move through this time of change that we're experiencing so that we can be focused on the impact we want to have. So I, I really do just focus on people, their situation, and how to make those situations work better for them. Yeah. So, um, but it's a, it, and it depends on the person, and it depends on the organization, and it depends on the community as to what I'm offering to them. So it's, in that sense, it's all kind of customizable service to people. And so it starts with a conversation and we, we kind of figure out what is the problem that they're dealing with or what's pressing in on them? What is the challenge? How do they see themselves in transition? And once we have some clarity about that, then we can move through a process to determine a plan for action which brings change to their situation. I love it. I'm a big fan. No, I, and I'm, I'm definitely, you know, this is, these are things that I, <laughs> geek out on so i love that you're very very into this but so there's a process there's a process to this it's not just a relationship but it is a process yeah but the relationship is is what's central to it all absolutely and well, speaking of what's central to us right now there's no denial that we are in a transitioner you know transitionary period as a world your book is showing people how leadership models can be used to solve complex problems, improve communication, and achieve more on a personal, professional levels. Uh, can you talk to us about these leadership models that you, you have in your book? Yes. When I began my consulting practice back in the mid-90s, I, I just went in to kind of fix problems. And, and as I began to fix problems, and I was working in a wide variety of organizations, I began to see patterns emerge. And so a way to describe this is that every organization is unique in and of itself, but the problems they face are universal to all organizations. And those, and that universal character of problems, I ultimately came to realize is built around a breaking or a brokenness or a fragmenting between three dimensions. And that is the dimension of our ideas which incorporates our values and our sense of purpose. Maybe how we, uh, we see our vision for the future and how we define what the end result, the goal, the, the, the impact of the organization should be. The second dimension is that of our relationships to one another. And the third dimension is the structure of the organization itself. And what I found was that in most of these situations, structure dominates the the culture and that ideas and relationships are secondary, subsidiary, 
that they are only um, touched or brought into the question or into the conversation when there seems to be a reason for it. Instead of seeing all three of these as in a dynamic alignment with one another. So the, the model, the, the leadership model that I have, the circle of impact, is this circle between ideas, relationships, and structure. And the way we approach that is to say, what is the situation we're dealing with? I'm sure all your listeners have some issue that they are struggling with or facing right now which requires some kind of resolution, some kind of answer. And so I would ask them, what kind of problem is this? Is this a problem of a lack of clarity about the situation itself, which would be an idea problem? Is this a problem of your relationships with one another where respect and trust and the inability to mutually work together is not present? Or is the structure not working to achieve the goals which you have set out? So whichever one you, you uh, decide is the problem, whichever dimension, the other two dimensions are drafted into the process as the resources for solutions. So ultimately, whatever the problem is, you're going to touch all three of the dimensions before you find a final resolution. And the communication that happens in that context is really important because then what you're doing is we're bringing what we're doing is we're bringing people into the process of solution creation that maybe were outside before because it you know the the solution making was res, was restricted to those who were in power or those who were in leadership quote unquote or those who were in th- authority but in what i see happening is this model of leadership it brings everybody into the into the into the mix to have the opportunity to help solve the problems that exist within the company and and that way you're actually creating what i call a leader rich culture where everyone can demonstrate leadership which is taking personal initiative to create impact that makes a difference that matters so this is the big shift, and this is why this model is not just a, a kind of an abstract theoretical thing. It's actually a very practical thing. So you, so if we were to ask the question, what's, what should be the impact of my ideas upon the company, upon my community, or m- upon my family? What, what should be the impact of our values? Are they just words, or are they something which guides how we make decisions? How do those values then also impact our relationships to one another? Are we divided because we share different value sets and these value sets are not compatible? Then we have a real structural problem because what we have done is we've created a structure which has, um, has a brokenness in the core, at the core of its value system. So, All of these things revolve around this circle of ideas, relationships, and structure. And that's the way we end up solving problems. But it also is how we equip people to be leaders in organizations. Because if we can equip them to use those three dimensions, then what we're doing is we're saying, we want you to be free to solve the problems that are immediately important to you as the staff person. And we want you to communicate with whomever you need to 
in order to solve this problem because if you solve this problem, it means that the senior vice president is not going to have to solve this problem. And if you solve this problem, it may mean that you're seeing something that no one else sees because you're, you're most immediately connected to this, this office or this process. And maybe you're creating an innovation that no one else saw because they don't really deal with this every day. So it's equipping people in that kind of, uh, with that kind of leadership, which is really the model that the circle of impact brings to, um, people and their organizations. Wow. Ideas, structure, and um, what was the last one? Relationships. Uh, relationships. And you say these three, they go hand in hand. I'm looking at uh, leadership on around us today, whether it's presidents, whether it's leaders. Who are the best examples that you can give that embody these three principles, ideas, relationships, um, and uh, um, uh, structure? Well, I, I know people who practice this because they have recognized, particularly um, senior executive leaders who, who practice this because they have come to recognize that they don't have all the answers. They don't even, they recognize they don't even know what they don't know and that the complexity of the way things work in our world today is such that they can't manage it all. So there's, there, it's really, it's really kind of starts with people who, have accepted a kind of humility about their role to say that I can't be all things to all people mm. and I have to bring some people into the process. And, um, you know, I, I see people who, uh, this, this idea that there is kind of circle of impact leaders, uh, operates on a couple of different levels. You know, I, I have one, one friend who uh, was working for me as an assistant and uh, I gave her the uh, review copy of the book to read. This is almost a year ago. And after she read it, she said, I'm not supposed to be working with you. I know what I'm supposed to go, do now. And so she quit that very day, and she began to go work with uh, women through her church. And now she's she and her husband are branching out into a whole new business that they're starting. And it all all because they saw the whole picture of their life being portrayed through this book. There are, there are other people that would never consider themselves as leaders, but who practice a kind of uh, personal integrity of being really clear about their values, placing their relationships with others as um, something very significant for them to practice right. healthy in a healthy way. And then they, they do things with these people to make a difference that matters. I, I, I think that one of the if people are looking for a visual, let's say a visual of what a circle of impact leader is, they could go to Facebook and find Mike Rose returning the favor film series. I don't know if you've seen this. I, I, I began to watch this about a year ago and he is finding people in local communities who have decided to do things that make a difference. Uh, in one case, there's a, a fellow who, um, was helping the bunk beds for children in his community that didn't have uh, a bed, had never slept on, had always slept on the floor. And so he, he started a whole organization that's doing nothing more than making bunk beds for uh, kids in his community, poverty, po impoverished kids in his community, they don't have beds. And, th and this idea has now spread to, uh, well, the video, when the video, I saw the video, it, it, it was, it spread to, uh, 
at least nine cities at that point. That was a year ago. There's a, it's a group of women in North Carolina who um, have, for I think 20 years, been going around and replacing the roofs of elderly uh, people on limited incomes because they can't, if, they, if their roof fails, then they lose their house and they lose their home. So they're going around and fixing homes. Uh, there is, there's a young woman in South Carolina who would show up at this laundromat every Wednesday afternoon and she would pay to wash the clothes of homeless people. And so Mike Rowe's group went and um, basically uh, arranged for a, a van to be outfitted as a mobile laundromat and they gave that to her with some revenue to support her and, and uh, her in her service to homeless people yeah. who need clean clothes. Wow. I mean, those are kinds of things that happen at the community level. Um, I, I worked with a company about 10 years ago that had been through a kind of a Enron kind of scandal. And I came in, worked with them. On- Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. On a value statement, but the value statement was intended to become the, the, uh, the basis for a supervisor training program to equip the lowest echelon of the company to, to solve problems. And, and within two years, the company had gone from being kind of an embarrassment in their community to being recognized by Forbes as one of the most trustworthy companies in the nation. So these, these principles pr- are practiced by people who don't even know that they're practicing them because this is just something natural to them. But there are also principles that can be practiced by intention when we see that we can be better and we can do things differently. Um, I, you know, and, what, and I guess the other thing to say about this is that um, a lot of people do this and would never be wanted, never be, cons- would never consider themselves as leaders because they see leadership as a role and a title and they're just doing what they do because it's out of the goodness of their heart. And if you, and I've talked with these people for years, I mean, for decades and what they tell me is don't call me a leader because I'm not, I don't want that role and I don't want that uh, that that uh, target on my back mm-hmm. I don't want to be in that kind of scrutiny but I say but you're making a difference that matters in your community and you're doing these things is that that leadership and they say yes that's leadership but don't call me a leader so there's this transition that we're going through in terms of how we view the way things can be, and um, it's a, it's a it's an endlessly fascinating thing to watch because I'm just in many respects I'm just responding to what 
I'm hearing from people and what I'm seeing and trying to understand it and put it into, into terms which other people can say, oh, well, if they're doing that, then I can do that. And, um, and to imagine that we could do that on a global scale is, is really what um, keeps me up at night and wakes me up thinking about really great big, big thoughts. Endlessly fascinating indeed. And you talked about, you know, people that sort of scoff at being called leaders. And in your book, a lot of what I, uh, I'm, I'm starting to see is that you are really speaking to people to help them develop this capability to tap into a personal initiative that allows them to create impact and make an impact and, and make a difference in the world. But the, mm-hmm. what I want to, I want to go even deeper into the people that believe that they are not leaders. I want to go and even talk to about the people that actually think that they're not capable of being leaders, that they are in, in positions where no one can possibly value them. So yes. that person might be listening to this podcast and they might be listening for something mm-hmm. practical that they can apply it to their life so that they can start to see um, the results of their efforts. What would you say to them? Because I think that starts with a mindset, right? But how can you, how can you get like, a mindset? Um one of my principles is the greatest change we all go through is in our self-perception. Mm, mm, I love that. Yes. Yeah. Um, last Friday, I was in St. Louis, and I had breakfast at this one little cafe. Uh, and I was with my sons, uh, with my youngest son. And we were talking with this um, young woman who was our waitress. And um, we got into the conversation about the book. Because I had a copy of the book with me, and she um, listened and she said, "You know, this is what I hear, and this this is brilliant." She says, "I hear you saying that it's this is not about what we can be; it's what we are already being right now, and I, and I, that is right. So I don't I don't want people to think that they have to be better than they are right now." I don't want them to think that somehow they're not good enough to make a difference that matters. All I want them to do is to recognize, look at the situation they're in, look at the people they know, look at the work that they do, look at their neighbors, look at their families, and say, what difference can I make right now that can improve this situation? That doesn't require them to go off get another another degree it doesn't require them to to make more money it doesn't require them to do anything other than to take initiative right now and it may be as simple as you have a a woman that lives down the street from you she's she's an elderly woman her family lives doesn't live around and she's lonely and nobody really takes care of her or takes gives her attention so one act of leadership might be as simple as going down and spending a half hour with her every week, taking her to lunch once a month, and simply being kind to this woman who has lived a long life and maybe lived a, a life that was rather undistinguished. That doesn't matter. The fact that it is she is there, and you go down and you, and you offer friendship to her. That's that's the kind of thing I see as a place to start. Mm. I talk in the book about starting small. All too many of the leadership books, too many of the self-help books are talking about 
really big ideas, of believing something really big about yourself. I don't think that works very well. I think we have to start really small, and we have to grow into the bigness of our lives. Here I am, 65 years old. It's taken me this long all my life, for 40-plus years, to get to the point where I can have a book published that talks about these things. So so it's it's kind of counterintuitive, I guess is a way to say it, is that you don't have to be smart and you don't have to be wealthy and you don't have to be powerful to make a difference that matters. All you have to do is take the initiative to go do it and then then have a story that you tell. So if I can if I can offer this to your your listeners. Okay, my name is Ed Brenniger. I have an email address, ed at edbrenniger.com. If you have a story like this to tell, email me your story. Or if you have a question about this, send me your question. Because what I want to do is help you make the transition from being a person who is not taking initiative to a, being a person that is taking initiative. And, and I have no desire to tell you what that should be. All I want to do is support you in making that transition into being a person of leadership impact. Uh, that's very generous of you. And what I'm hearing is, you're, so you're saying even if there isn't a clarity about what you can do, because sometimes people say, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what I'm passionate about. You're saying get in the habit of doing, of executing, yeah. of providing service, providing value. And in that, you get experiences and your stories form and you get clues mm-hmm. to what it is that you can actually do. Um, and, and it's counterintuitive in the sense that you're saying even if you don't know what it is you're passionate about, if you start doing something, you'll stumble on it because you're putting that intention out there. Absolutely. That's, that is so true. That's, that's really well said. Hmm. And I can't, I can't emphasize enough that, uh, we all, you know, the, whatever age we are, we've all achieved something by reaching this age. And, and even if we have the perception, our self perception is that we have been a failure in our life. Uh, just being able to identify the fact that you think of yourself as a failure means that you have something in your mind about what a successful person might be. And so even having a successful vision is something of an accomplishment. So I, I think that there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of negative narratives that, that get feed to people that they're not good enough and they're not wealthy enough and they're not pretty enough and they're not enough enough. And I, I don't pay any attention to those things. I think people just need to decide what it is that really matters to them and then decide I'm going to do one thing to create change in that, in that area. And then I'm going to do another. And then I'll do another. And maybe I'll do something in another area. But what we learn is by, I think we learn by doing. And we, we come to our own sense of identity by doing things rather than simply by absorbing messages and saying, trying to make choices about the messages received and say, well, I'm going to take a part of this, part of this, part of this, and that's who I am. But we only really get validated until, we don't get validated in terms of those messages until we actually 
step out and begin to do things. Yeah, yeah. Until we step out and do things. Huh. This is I, and once, once again, anyone listening, anyone um, taking notes, we're talking to Ed Brenniger, who's the author of his first book called Circle of Impact, and it's all about taking personal initiative to ignite change. We've been talking a lot about how you know the importance of ex- execution matters, what you feed your mind, how the act of service is, is, is very important. I'm curious, as someone as well, someone like you who's well experienced into the world in the world today, uh, you've observed several transitionary period. You saw a world without digital media. You've seen the world with digital media. You've seen the impacts of globalization as well. What do you observe when you look at what's gone on in leadership um, in the United States as well as Europe and different parts of the world? What what is your objective view? of why things are um, the way they are in terms of people being super reactive and um, really uh-huh. not able to find common ground when there are tools there to find common ground? It's a great question. Uh, uh, and I, have, you. I guess I have, I have three points there. Let me, let me. So I do see the world as in transition. And I am more hopeful about the future than most of my peers. And I'm hopeful for this reason. I think that the technology of the smartphone is unique in human history. And it gives power into each person's hands that people even 10 years ago did not have. I mean, we're in a such a dramatic shift technologically. I mean, there are a lot of problems connected to this. But the, the one advantage that all of us have now is this tool that we have for solving problems, communicating with people, learning how to innovate, learning how to organize, and it's all in, our, in the palm of our hands. I, I took some time off last year, and I went to Europe, and I went to see people that I had met through social media. And what I found was there is a lot of commonality around the world. But what, but what I also found, and I find this every day in my conversations with people, is that there is this kind of break. This is the kind of the second point I want to make. There's kind of separation between the people who are focused on kind of a global world, that there's this uh, global institutional structure that has been forming over the last hundred years. This is, I would, I'd, I look back to uh, post-World War I uh, as the beginning of this really global institutional structure. Um, and the belief was that we'll create this global structure and we'll be able to mitigate the divisions that exist between nations and peoples. Well, we have had more wars and more deadly wars in the last hundred years and I'm not saying it's because of globalism, but I am saying that that the the structures have made it possible for um, things to happen that have been far more problematic than maybe they would have thought a hundred years ago. So I see this globalization happening, and I see it as beginning to wane. That it is not su- sustainable, and I'm not being critical of it. I'm just being observing. I'm observing the cracks in the edifice of the global 
global uh, world structure, and it's not sustainable. And what I'm beginning, what I what I see is that what is going to happen is that we're going to be pulled back into much more of a perspective of being locally oriented. So in the book, I talk about acting locally on a global scale. So we we do our thing. Let's say the guy who is making bunk beds for for kids without beds. He goes online and uses social media to tell his story. And let's say someone in uh, Munich, Germany, happens to see this and says, you know, I bet you we have kids in our, in our city who are sleeping at night on the floor. Why don't we start make, making bunk beds? So we have, the, we have this power now growing because we have smartphones, which enable us to communicate globally in a very much more local-like sen- sense that we can do things on a local level, share those on a global level, and have an, a local impact because someone elsewhere has decided, well, I'm going to do what they did because it sounds like a, a, little, a good idea for our community as well. So I think, I think there is um, what I would call a growing individualization through the phone, and there's a growing localism because that gives power to people to act, and m- most actions will take place in a local community. And, th- and then the third thing is that what we also recognize, I think we will recognize is that we actually need each other far more than we don't need each other. And so the kind of the divisiveness that we're experiencing is really kind of the inroad of one kind of power structure kind of finding itself under real threat. And that a new power structure, which is far more dispersed, uh, is going to emerge over the next 10, 15, 20 years. And so the world's going to look very different in 10 years I don't know everything, but this is what I see already transpiring. So we have the we have technology which is enabling us to do things individually that we have never been able to do. We have um, a growing ability to communicate globally, but by is, as individuals. So we're not dependent upon other people telling us what's going on. We can actually have conversations with people uh, across the world, and then thirdly. We can join together and do things which make a difference, you know, and I call those a network. That's a network of relationships. So we can form our networks of relationships and say, how can I help you? How can you can help me? How can we do this together? So, for example, the, the, the promotion for this book, it's, um, it's obviously it's being printed and published and sold in America, but half of my launch team are overseas. I have a friend in Germany, a friend in Slovenia, a friend in Austria, a friend in New Zealand, and a friend in Saudi Arabia. And they're all social talking on social media about the book. And they're influencing people in America to buy the book, as well as people around the world. So I see this is the kind of the shift that's taking place. And um, and I'm just at the beginning of trying to under, of understanding this. And I will eventually write another book which takes this which takes the last three chapters of this current book and expands upon that so that we can actually see ourselves as uh, locally active global citizens. I'm with you. Uh, thanks for sharing that. I'm with you. I'm, I'm very much optimistic about what's going on. And when I, a lot of times when I see chaos and when I see a lot of discord, I, I see it as an opportunity for open dialogue. And as you were talking about what, technology allows you to do, I think one of the things technology allows you to do is to tell stories through different mm-hmm. mediums. 
and you can see those stories through your your phone, your your television, or your computer. But you know, even with this podcast, for example, here in a different perspective, where you know you and I look different, we come from different generations, but we are able to find common ground on the 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 point that everybody can make an impact, and we come at it from different angles and different uh, different experiences, but that point of connection is something I feel like can be amplified if we, as you say, network the right way. So yes, can I can I can yeah. I say something in yeah. uh, in response to what you just said because it, it's it's really brilliant and I hope that all your listeners here listen to exactly what you just said because I think it's really important. Here's what I, I I think is the way we can do this instead of looking to people to kind of um, make us feel good about ourselves, we need to look at people and say, how can I become more interested in them, more supportive of them, learn their story and support their story instead of, of dividing us out by saying, well, they're not like me, and so I've got to put my walls of protection up. And I think we, just take, we need to take down our walls of protection and say, who are you? Let's, let's get together. We may be different people, but there's something that we share, and that is worth discovering. Something that we share that is alike and can unite us where our divisions will not do so. Right. So I, I think that's really a, a really important message that, um, and it's different than I think the, just talking about diversity. I think diversity is important. I believe in diversity, but that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about actually showing a, a, a definite interest in that other person in a way that actually we build a relationship with them. I think that's what it's really, really all about. We have to be interested. Um, that, and that's, you know, I think at our core as humans, we all want to feel like we belong. We feel valued. Um, our, our work matters. <laughs> uh, and, you know, if if your identity is validated and you understand that your contribution matters, um, you know, then I think I think we, we are able to to uh, to create a better world. So it's yeah. And, and, and I think if, if people are struggling to find empathy for how to do that, it's it's for the people who can look inward and think about what they would feel like if they didn't feel validated or they didn't feel like what they did mattered and then use that empathy to uh, turn that into action and say, well, I've, let me try and do the same thing for others. And, and that's how we, we grow. Well, I have one of my ideas that I would like to do and, I, and I'm not sure how it's going to come about, but I'm going to share it with you because I think you'll, you'll get it and you'll, you'll appreciate that. I, I see that um, we need to care for our local communities Period. We need to care for. And one of the things that I've thought about doing is what I'm calling having a rally day for community. And basically, I, you know, I, I would come in and be invited in. You know, local, some local organizations would sponsor an event, and we could bring a, a hundred, a thousand people together, and we train them how to be, how to take personal initiative. But what we really are doing is trying to bring people together around what are the needs of our community and how can we together take personal initiative to make a difference that matters here and build build some relationships and then build a a um, 
a foundation for collective action in a local community that hasn't maybe worked very well in the past. But part of that is the rally for, in a sense, loving community. We care about our community. We believe in our community, and we are willing to invest the time and the money to make it a better place. That's that's one of the things I see emerging from this work that I'm doing. Start local, think global, um, understand the impact of your community. I do definitely um, understand and see that as well, where a lot of people are, um, they're not aware of what goes on around them. I think just the awareness of who you live with, who you live next to, what the environment is, how the same set of laws affects different sets of people. I think that builds interest and it grows uh, your curiosity. And if you're inquisitive, you're gonna, you're not gonna be exclusive. So yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, wow. Um, as we um come to a close here, I'm, I'm just, I, I, I want to give you a chance to just, you know, say whatever it is you feel like you're called to say for this book uh, and why people should get it. Okay. Thank you very much for for having me, and you're it's, welcome. it's been a it's been a real treat. And you know, my interactions with people like you, but like so many people that I meet on a regular basis, tells me that there is a, a real need for a different way of looking at the world and looking at how our lives matter. And and so much of that is about us deciding where we're going to give our time and our money rather than simply someone asking for it or forcing us to comply. So if you're in a position, if you, your listeners are in a position where they feel a sense of kind of anxiety or sense that um, things are just not the way they should be in their life, in their business, in their community, then I think the Circle of Impact, the book, will be helpful in providing some clarity about why things are the way they are and how to take steps forward to address them on a personal level. I believe that that leadership is both personal and social. So it's not that you just do something on your own. There's a story in the book about a woman who does takes personal initiative to improve the office that she works in. But she never brings other people into that that process where they end up taking on her vision and they share it. And when she leaves, that vision continues on. So there's a need for this social. And so I, I would encourage people to buy the book and read it. Ask the questions as they go, ask questions as she, as they go through it. There are questions at the end of each chapter. Answer those questions, but also ask the question, um, as I'm reading this, what is it that I want to change? Is it something I want to change about myself? Is it something I want to change about my family? Is it something I want to change about the work that I do or the place that I work or the community I live in? And have a goal or purpose, a question to be answered as you read the book. I think it will make the book much more valuable. And then if you want to um, reach out to me, you can find me through my website, which is simply edbrenegar.com. That's E-D-B-R-E-N-E-G-A-R.com. And if you want to reach out to me, I will be glad to talk with you. 
Uh, we can interact with email or we can even talk on the phone. I see it as the beginning of a relationship and it may mean that you, um, you come to work with me on the things that you want to work with and I work with you. So that's, that's, um, how I see this unfolding. There will be, um, more books written over the years because I think I'm only at the beginning. And so read this one. Tell me what you think. What are the questions you have? Tell me how this is impacting you. And it will help me write the next book that I'm already in the process of uh, doing the research on. That's amazing. So edbrenniger.com. The book is available. Circle of Impact, Taking Personal Initiative to Ignite Change is available right now on Amazon.com. You can Google Circle of Impact Amazon. You can find it there. Wow. Yeah, I'll definitely put all that in the show notes. Uh, last question, though, is my mission statement. Use your difference to make a difference. And I ask all my guests this question. So I'm going to ask you the same. <laughs> How do you use your difference to make a difference, Ed? Um, I see myself as a kind of an out, <clears throat> excuse me, kind of an outsider. But my goal, the difference that I want to make, is that I want to move 1% of the world's population to take personal initiative to create impact in their local communities. That means my goal is to move 75 million people. So that's, that's what makes me different because I have not just an idea of selling books or being a speaker. I have a goal of creating a movement of people who are taking personal initiative to be leaders in their local communities. So that's the difference that I am. Love it. That's, it's so important. And, and uh, the world is, is a better place because you're in it, sir. So I want to thank you for coming on the show. This has been fun. And um, good luck. Thank you very book. much. Oh, pleasure's mine. Pleasure's mine. Good luck on the and book. Too. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, till next time, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.